Greetings from the Murder of Grey podcast. Where we look behind the curtain of our own minds. Alright, let's have some fun. Hello and welcome to Murder of Grey podcast. We are a moral and ethical dilemma podcast where each week we dissect the difficult problems of our era and try and figure them out for you guys um as always i'm christian and i'm chris and we have some fun and exciting episode or uh, questions lined up for you guys today uh, yeah we always have fun and exciting episodes we do have multiple ones available for you guys but we definitely do have some fun questions available right now we're we're going to be diving into some ones that might uh you know tickle your brain might make you think a little differently about the world around you might uh, you know just change your perspective on life itself right tickle your tushy oh god tickle that tushy don't forget the tushy it's the most important part honestly and i feel like it's something that everybody forgets and if you are a male about to reach the age of 40 don't forget to get your prostate checked as well it's a little medical thing you know it's fun it's good for you uh and it's not awkward don't worry about it all around yeah everybody wins the doctor loves it you might find a new kink. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got uh, actually a pretty good chunk of questions lined up for you guys today. So why don't we just jump right into this? You ready for this? Oh, yeah. All right. So for the first question, um, I wanted to start out with kind of like a, a big one, kind of like a whammy, right? So if someone you loved was killed in front of you, but someone created a copy of them that was perfect right down to the atomic level, would they be the same person and would you love them just as much? Hmm. So would you love a clone? Would you be able to look your wife in the eye, even though you know it's a clone of your wife and not exactly the one that you've been spending all this time with and still love them the same? I don't know. I mean, if they had their memories, then yeah, but this is probably everything but that. I I feel uh. like it would be, like, even if they had the memories, I feel like your mind wouldn't be able to take away the fact that this is not the person that you've held, right? This is yeah. not the one that you've actually physically spe- spent time with. This is, it's not the same person person but it's the same person i it that one mm. (laughs) i i feel like i i don't know i would still love them but i don't know if i would be able to actually put that connection together still like i feel like it would be like you're still meeting someone new because there would always be that air of like doubt or questioning right the the idea that there might be someone else in there as well like because like okay think about it this way like there be it's a copy that's been created by somebody else Mm -hmm. that means that they are man-made that means that they're flawed and they're they're going to be that person that you loved and grew old with or however whatever it may be right but they're also going to they they will have the flaws of the person who created them as well like it's just kind of ingrained into all technology and everything that's being built it just happens that way. So I'm wondering if that if that would play a part in the cloning process as well. Like, are they going to have some weird tics or something just different about them, right? Like, maybe the hair is flipped to the wrong way because it's a mirror image, right? Like, they took the, all the cloning stuff from, like, a picture, right? Like, it, you don't know what, like, little tiny things might pop up. Or they might even be little things that were always there, but now you're just so hyper-focused on them because this is technically a clone of your loved one, right? Like, there there has to be that, that, that like, tinge in the back of your mind, that, that thought process going on. Or maybe I just overthink everything in my life and I'm just a crazy person. <laughs> Which I mean, entirely, you could be. It's entirely possible. I do that a lot. My anxiety is through the roof at all times, so <laughs> it's very possible. I don't know. Like, uh, what, what's, how do you feel about that? Like, wh- knowing that this is made by somebody who you might not even know, do you feel like you could just turn your brain off and not re- like forget the fact that the one you loved was actually killed in front of you? Honestly, 
I feel like they wouldn't have wanted this, mm. you know? Like, I mean, if they they were, like, fine, like, oh, yeah, you can totally be with a copy of my, uh, like, a clone of me, then, I mean, it might be a little different, but, like, I'm thinking, like, right now, right? Like, if you lost a loved one like that, they would want you to keep the good memories, right? Like everything, mm-hmm. all the time you spent. It'd be weird continuing that with one, a clone that probably doesn't have the same memories. They're it's just ha- yeah. Yeah. And it one, yeah, you're always going to have in the back of your mind, this thing isn't who I have loved. Mm-hmm. Like this is, still is someone different because i mean think about this like what if like your your partner you know had a twin out there somewhere it's like it'd be like the same thing like could you love that twin you know like it's i mean me personally i i wouldn't do it you know like as much as like i love my partner like it's i'd rather keep all the good happy memory of us together Mm-hmm. And not have it soiled by this fake version of it. Right. You know, like, I'd rather just keep it, keep the memories and then move on. You know, keep I feel like here. that's, yeah. I feel like that's what most partners would want. Or, you know, whoever the loved one is, like, they would rather you move on, but still remember them. I don't know. My girl says that she's going to haunt me if she dies. So, Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows about that one? But, uh, like, uh, the clown, it'll haunt you. <laughs> yeah, right? That's the ultimate haunt right there. But I'm just wondering, too, like, who's to say that this clone isn't going to have, a, like, an existential crisis one day and realize that they're man-made? That they're not who they actually think they are. Oh, shit. Like, like think about, like, uh, Rachel in Blade Runner, right? She's mm-hmm. based off of Tyrell's um, niece and has all of her uh, his niece's memories implanted into her. But then, and she actually thinks that's who she is. She thinks that she is Rachel. Like, and these are her actual memories. And then when she comes to find out she's a replicant, she instantly goes into like this spiral of like, who am I? This like crazy depression washes over her and she's like, kind of accepts her fate of like, well, replicants are you know, illegal, like we are made, like we're made to be retired at this point, we're not allowed to be here. And like, now there's that whole issue, that dilemma that she has to go through personally. So like, what happens whenever your loved one's clone finds out like, oh, I'm not who I think I am? Like, I feel like that would be such a jarring experience. And having to explain that to them, the whole situation would just be like, so mind breaking and it might just change everything forever like i i don't think that you could have the same life after this yeah i mean that's like when i'm thinking with memories like if they don't have no memories they're gonna be like who are you you know like you can't just be the same around them because they might see an old photo and they're like what is that like that's me but i was never there and then they'll end up freaking out and like I said, it could it could go really bad, you know, and it's it the risk of it, it it's like people that do I don't know if you've seen it, but that you can get like a hologram or an AI of someone you loved. And uh I think it's right I don't think it's a hologram exactly, but I know they have it where you can have a um someone you loved, I think, text you or message you every once in a while as if they're, like, actually alive. Uh, and I that guess, would, like... That would break me. You... Mm-hmm. Like, you can, like, send this AI or whatever, like, a bunch of information on them, you know, like, data, to try and kind of be like that person. And they could, like, message you or talk to you, you know? I I want to say they have it where they can, oh. if you gave them a voice sample, they can try and copy the voice. But oh. I think it's just through like texting or messaging. That sounds so heartbreaking. I, it just feels like you're just going to be in constant grief. Like, yeah, you don't give your, your sign. Like you're not giving yourself time to grieve, to process everything. Cause like, let's say six months down the line, you get it, just a random text like, hey, what's up? You know, thinking about you, right? Or something like that. It's like, 
that would be so jarring and just bring back all of that negative and just bad energy oh god that's that's terrifying like i don't i don't see the the closure there that like you're never closing Mm -hmm. that chapter you're never oh gosh that's a terrifying thought i didn't know that was a thing and i don't yeah i i saw that they were they were making that and i was like like it i can see for some people it'd be comforting but yeah like it just means that you're not getting over them and in the long run that's just gonna hurt you more than comfort you and kind of like the whole thing with the clone you know it's like in the beginning yeah it's that comfort being able to like feel like you're still sharing your like your love your relationship with this person but at the end of the day you have to realize it's not the same person you know yeah. like you're just prolonging this misery in the end mm-hmm. knowing that it's not the same thing yeah i i can't it, this is such a selfish act like in through and through this is just for you it's not for them anymore like mm-hmm. yeah i don't think i could actually do it because of just all of that like you there you're not get like you need to be able to grieve. You need to be able to grow from that grief. Like that's just the natural human order. Or maybe I'm wrong, right? Like maybe we're thinking this way just because that's how we've been told to think with media and just everyone's life experience as it is. If this became like the norm, right, in the future, like maybe our ideals will become obsolete and it just won't ever come up anymore, right? Like well, there there could be a, a time and a place in, in the future where science and technology has advanced so far that our current ideas of how the world should work just don't flesh out anymore, right? Or don't carry any weight. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's, I mean, I think that's a possibility there. But that kind of strings me into this next question here. Um, and I like this one a lot because it just really talks about exactly what I just said. Um, so the next question is, will religion ever become obsolete? Right? Oh. Like we think about how much the world has changed around us over, you know, over 100 years, even over 10 years. Like look 10 years back and how much we've advanced so far and how our ideas and how we share information and how we speak with one another and share like our love, our thoughts, our our feelings, our hopes, our dreams, all that stuff, like how much it's changed and how like how religion has changed, right? Like so many Mm -hmm. people are changing the way that they view the world itself. Will religion go out the window, right? Like, is that going to be another thing that we just read about in history textbooks where it's like, oh, yeah, people used to believe in a deity. They used to put all their faith in something like that. But like, or will religion just continue to evolve with technology as it is, right? I think because we see it where you know, they try to adapt religion to more modern times and make it more accessible to people. But at the end of the day, you realize, you know, these are people changing it. And, you know, that's just kind of been the thing throughout since religion started. You know, it's people have been able to go back and edit things to it. And that's when I realized, like, you know, there is the the belief of a higher power in a religion, but there's also following. And you can create a following like a religion without having a higher power mm-hmm. into a different thing. And I feel like nowadays we see that with radicalization of you know groups where it's like treating their ideas or thoughts or conspiracies almost like a religion. And I feel like in the future, I feel like people will always believe in something. It might evolve in a sense where it's less about, you know, the the Western views of God or even the Eastern, and it'll be more about, and this is probably 100 or more years away or even longer than that, where it's more so, you know, like an AI or something mm-hmm. where the AI is the supreme being. It has all the answers for us. You know, like I could see that being the next evolution of a religion. But I think that because if 
religion would be obsolete. And I feel like to an extent, more and more people are becoming agnostic or atheist just because, you know, science. But they still and, have a belief or a faith in something. Yeah. Right. And so I think that'll that, never go away. Right. Right. So, okay. Hear me out. What about this? So, what if social media is creating a polytheistic lifestyle or society for us, right? So, when you think about all of the social media that we have, you're, you don't want to have friends lists anymore. You have followers now, right? And that's a very religious, like, terminology in that in that sense right yeah um, so like let's say in the near future it, we're seeing it now i guess right where a lot of people's beliefs or what they stand for is what they is what they like is based off of the thoughts of someone that they follow right someone who has a lot of weight and pull on mm-hmm. these social media sites so just like with like the greeks and the romans whatever they had multiple gods what if these multiple gods were actually based off of real people who lived throughout the society there at that time who just had a lot of pull and weight in that that societal group or in that culture during that time right like maybe there was one messenger in the town or like one who like kind of like Paul Revere status, right? And they they based a whole like god off of him, which is now a Hermes, right? Like something, you know, something along those levels, you know, or yeah. like something like that, right? So like I'm wondering if what if like we might not have religion as we see it now, where it's okay, there's God, there's this, because science is kind of feels like it's slowly taking over and kind of trying to disprove a lot of those things. Like, mm-hmm. let's say we talked about it in our time travel episode, where if you can go back in time and take a picture, a snapshot of that time frame, would you do it, right? And like, let's say eventually in the future, we are able to maybe either travel back in time or at least, you know, make a simulation or a 100% accurate simulation of that time frame and visit that area and then realize that, you know, these figures that of like Christ and all of the the miracles that they were performing weren't actually what we thought they were, right? And that would just kind of change the way a lot of people would see religion and view it. It's not going to change the way for everybody because some people are just going to obviously disprove it or, you know, just shun it away because they have their faith. And that's totally fine. That's on them. Like they can keep their faith. There's nothing wrong with it. But now we're we might start seeing like with science and with these expansions of followers where people have like billions of followers online on Twitter, across Instagram, across Facebook, all that stuff. Like maybe they are the next like deity figures because they have the most weight and pull over society and where it might go in the future. I really like the viewpoint because it makes me think like, you know, like you said, they, they could be looked at as a deity in that community of followers, right? Like, think think back in old times, right? Like, when religion was, you know, with Christ and all of that. You know, these figures that have a lot of pull, back then, there wasn't a whole... The world didn't seem as big as it was or is, right? So, these people got all this clout back then. You know, mm-hmm. they, they spouted off some good morals and taught people how to live and this is how you should be and this mm-hmm. is right and this is wrong. And people are like, oh, yeah, I agree with this. That's great. But because, you know, people in, say, Europe weren't talking with people in, say, Japan or, you know, South America, you know, they didn't have this broad view of the world right it was a very small little community they were able to think that this person had all the right answers Mm -hmm. and then from i don't know the last two centuries or so you know we were able to branch out more in the world we were able to explore more see different cultures but people got lost, right? They There weren't followings anymore because people weren't able to connect as easy as they were, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd still have your small communities that aren't big enough to create this ideology of like a religion, you know, like look at Christianity, right? In that little area where it started, you know, everyone there like pretty much believed in it. 
-hmm. And then flash forward to the 1900s, you know, we, the world was getting bigger and there wasn't really anybody that was that powerful enough to really say anything in a sense, like, you know, like the president being on the, the line telling people this, 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 like no one really looked at them as like, oh, this is a person like, you know, preaching gospel or something. Looking at social media with these influencers that have millions of followers, we're back now in that early times where they can talk to the people, these followers, right? Because think before social media, it was very hard to reach people that were like friends with you or following you. I mean, in a different sense than what we have following now. Mm-hmm. But now that people can reach out to their influencer who, you know, is talking about all these good things and ideas, it it's almost going back to that early era where, like, you know, these people, when they spoke to Christ, like, they were, you know, talking to him. Or, right. you know, it was it was from one mouth to another and not a hundred. Now we're in that phase where we can instantly connect with these people and almost create a the sense like that. Like if there was an influencer that had a lot of moral ideas or ideas that they thought was good for humanity and people really started following that, these millions of followers will almost treat him the same way as, you know, people did back in the past with, you know, Jesus or, you know, Muhammad or anything like that like people have the potential for that now for in the most part you know there's of course that community of like a million followers will think that way and then you're going to have a different influencer with like two million followers who might have some different and it's almost like a I wouldn't want to say it's like a religion of different arguments but it you know it's there and I think it's really interesting because in the old days, people were so connected with each other because communities were smaller and there wasn't a lot of distractions. And now we're at that same point where the communities are bigger, but you can still reach those communities the same way as if it was a smaller one in the past because right. it's so easy to connect. Yeah, it feels like we're kind of going backwards in a sense, right? Yeah, yeah, I like, think so. Like we've we've expanded the world now, where the point where we can reach everyone on the globe in uh, milliseconds, right? But then there are still these small subsets of people or small communities within social media that simulate or reflect the small town communities of the past, with like of how original religions and these people of. Um, massive or like small following groups were able to get so much clout right like we're we're seeing that being replicated again today in our modern more you know vast world as we like to think it is but we've decided to shrink that world again on social media so it's very that's a very interesting idea yeah because it's like you know before social media and the internet people in California weren't hearing someone talking in, you know, say Maine mm-hmm. about ideas. Now people, it's as if they're sitting there in their circle listening to someone speak, you know, while they're sitting in a clubhouse meeting or, you know, on Twitter and they're hearing these people as if they're actually there. It's it's interesting. And I, I was thinking about that as soon as you brought the question of I'm like, we're almost at that point again where there's that really close connection. Of course, if you think that influencers, you know, there's nice ones out there, but you have to remember a lot of them, like they're either too busy or they have their own ideas and there is that kind of disconnect. Like, are they actually close to their followers or not? But I mean, that's, that's like a totally different subject, but it's it's interesting because we really are kind of getting back into that mindset again Mm -hmm. yeah it's crazy it's crazy to think about where we how far we've gone but yet how stagnant we've been as a society or as a culture it's weird right like we're we're both at the same time and it's such a weird juxtaposition of 
growth, <laughs> right? Like it's just such a trip. But it almost makes you like, and this can be a topic for a different day, like, you know, and especially like depending where you are in the world, you know, is culture dying? Mm. Yeah, especially cultures of the past. Are they being, you know, rewritten or are we stealing cultures from other ones and trying to make it work for a different culture and in term, you know, culture appropriation, stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I think that'd be a fun topic for a different day. Yeah, I like that a lot. We'll definitely have to touch on that one in the near future. But All right. So I think that brings us on to our next fun little question or idea here. So we have a lot of medications out there to kind of like mood stabilizing drugs, um, a lot of advances in technology as far as that goes. And it's this idea that we're striving for a sense of normal, right? Everybody wants to feel normal, but is normal really a good thing? Or what should we, is normal? Exactly. What actually is normal is being complacent with society and how everything's going on around you. Is that normal? Or should we be constantly questioning things? Should we lash out at things that we don't agree with? Right? Like, is is it bad to feel emotions nowadays? Like, right? It, there's this whole idea behind that. It's like, oh, I feel too much. Right? So, mm-hmm. Here's a little a blur, right? So imagine a pill or therapy capable of rewriting your neural circuitry so as to make you more empathetic, one that decreases aggression and causes your capacity for moral reasoning and tendencies to forgive or yeah, to forgive to go through the roof. Uh, wouldn't the world be a better place if we were all encouraged to have it? In fact, if human happiness lay on the other side of the of a tablet, why not embrace utopia and prescribe it by force? And this is kind of a terrifying idea, honestly. <laughs> like, it, like it gets really like kind of dramatic towards the end there. But the idea of being able to rewrite your circuitry, making more empathetic, to not be angry, you know, like we, we're seeing that nowadays. We have anger therapy. We have de- anti-depression drugs. We have anti-anxiety medications. We take magnesium in powder forms and tablet forms for, you know, to calm ourselves. We have our caffeines to get rid of our headaches, to get rid of that edge. Like we we are constantly in a sense of like finding and striving for the idea of normal um, to, to be able to level ourselves out so that we're not spiking too far in one direction versus the other. And is this a good thing or should we embrace who you are as a person? If you are an overly happy person or if you just feel things more than other people, if you're more empathetic than others, is that really that bad? Like, or is it okay to feel those things? And I feel like, personally, I feel like it's okay to feel. Like, it's okay to be you. That's you. You're being your genuine self. And these mood-altering drugs kind of scare the shit out of me, to be honest. But what's your feeling on this? Like, how do you how do you take this? Um, do you take it in pill form? Or do you like more of like a liquid drop thing? No, I can see being like a liquid drop. Why not? <laughs> Some CBD oils. Put it in our water. <laughs> Control the masses. Probably are um, already. We just don't know. You never know. It's that fluoride, man. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting because I feel like this is kind of like people's fear of like, you know, government control. I feel like a lot of people think that the government is like trying to you know, maybe not make us more empathetic, but maybe more aggressive, you know, mm-hmm. like they're putting stuff in water or, you know, in vaccines, stuff like that. Like a lot of people, I feel like try to like make this a topic, like make it happen. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you were to control everyone's emotions, I mean, yeah, it'd be great if everyone was more empathetic and, you know, willing to forgive. But the problem is, if the whole world is complacent like that, where they're just more empathetic, you know, everyone's going to kind of have the same ideas and everything will kind of be the same. And it almost makes you wonder, like, would we have like any, would there be any innovation? Would there be any growth? Would, would society continue to move forward at all? If everyone is just complacent with where they're at now, like, 
think about you're creating something, right? Like you're inventing, I don't know, like a a wormhole or something to Mars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're taking this medicine and someone, you know, is able to create it much faster than you or they're able to create like a wormhole to like the moon. Because you're not mad or aggressive about it being like, damn it, now I need to do something different or fine tune this. You're complacent and be like, okay, like, you know, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, well, maybe, maybe it isn't my time anymore, you know, but in, if you weren't taking the pill, you'd be aggressive saying like, no, I need to do this. And I need to make it better. You know, it's, I feel like if everyone was just that, you know, forgiving and complacent, nothing would really grow there would be no competition because you at the end of the day competition is usually you know aggression is usually uh like a mild form of it it's usually like a a side thing of competition and Mm -hmm. i feel like yeah if everyone is very like forgiving and calm you're not going to have that competition and there's going to be less innovation or Mm -hmm. things will move a lot slower because it's not like everyone's going to like all work together and be like, okay, well, you know what? Let's just all do this one idea instead of my idea. And <sighs> Well, I feel like at that point, nothing would actually get done. Because think about it. Yeah. Okay, you have a room of 10 people who are all taking this pill, right? They're mm-hmm. all at that level, same level of empathy. They're all at the same level of just complacency. And now you have to make a decision for, let's say, a company, right? Someone throws out an idea and then a second person puts out an idea, right? And now the first person's like, okay, that's a good one. We'll just go with that. It's cool. Your idea works too. And then the third person puts out their idea and it's like, oh, now person one and two are like, yeah, okay, let's just do that. But now person three is like, well, I really, I think we should just go with number one because it was the first one we heard and it makes sense, right? Like you're just going to have this constant back and forth of just nothing getting done. And like who there has to be someone outside of this making decisions for people. And I think that's where the fear of like government uh, being like stand ins for decision making come into place where they're making the whole like population more complacent while they're staying with their same, you know, tenacity and grit so that they can move things forward. But they're making all the choices for this group of complacent people. And I think that's where like a lot of the fear comes in when it comes to like, oh, the government's trying to control us and all this stuff, right? But I I kind of I'm I'm skeptical at least to the idea of like government control um when it comes to things like this. Because I think it actually stems more from our own idea of not wanting to stand out. Like, I, I don't know about you. Like, there's, there, okay, like, not everybody feels this way, of course. Like, there are some people who are perfectly comfortable being the center of attention. But I would say, like, 90% of the population probably would be more comfortable if they were just on the sidelines, right? Like, they were just part of the team, but not actually, like, the front runner. They don't want to be the spokesperson. They don't want to be the standout character in this story, right? So I yeah. feel like the idea of this pill isn't because the government wants to control us. It's more of our our own, you know, um, insecurities uh, branching out and having a face, right? And like, just bring, we're bringing light to our insecurities and trying to solve it with a pill. And I think that's a problem. Like, it, without that, we wouldn't have art. We wouldn't have all this new ideas. We wouldn't have sci-fi. We wouldn't have growth, like we mentioned. Like, it's just we wouldn't go anywhere with that because we're just blah. Like we're just a bunch of boring fucking people at that point. <laughs> so it's, it's, I think that's kind of a tough one and there's nothing wrong with standing out. There's nothing wrong with being who you want to be. Like, I, I don't know. Like everybody has their own little things, their own little like eccentricity or is that the right word? Eccentricism. Yeah. No. It, it, you know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean, listener. All right. <laughs> but it's it's just one of those things that like we all have these things and that's what makes us unique and interesting. And we need that. You you need that in life. And actually, you need that not just for growth and like doing more in, in your own life, but you need that to find a partner too, to find a loved one. If 
if you ran into someone that was exactly like you 100%, like uh, completely down to like your the way you view the world and everything, that would just be boring as hell. Like your conversations would lead nowhere. I feel like there would never be any like deep relationships anymore. Like we need that that difference. We need that that sense of like there needs to be someone in the relationship like pushing, right? Or like just constantly trying to better each other by balancing each other out that way and i think that's really important to have in relationships not only like in a romantic level but like on friendship levels as well like it's just it's how we grow as people in civilization so i i I don't like this idea (laughs) i think that you know it could be beneficial for people that might be aggressive in general like say like a person Mm -hmm. who has tendencies of abuse or you know, irrational, like, anger issues, like, I could see this being good, you know, but, like, say, like, you and me, you know, it, it's not really needed, you know, I feel like this kind of pill or medicine would be good for people that maybe have a problem with their aggression, like, I could see that being better, but to give it to everybody just for, the sake of making everyone you know empathetic it wouldn't be a good idea even though it'd be a great world if we were all kind to each other it it could lead to some problems as well what about this let me let me pitch this to you instead of a pill that actually like changes your neurological surgery or circuitry what if mandatory therapy is a thing like what if we just push therapy on people because i think that's good i think that's better because a lot of these senses of aggression stem from somewhere they don't have a creative outlet they don't have a way to get their excess energy out of there's something from their past that's bugging the shit out of them and that's what a lot of the like when they get older that's how they lash out they you know so instead of forcing a pill on everybody what if we force therapy like force communication on people and and you don't have to like force it like say like oh every sunday you have to go to therapy because that's not going to go anywhere people are going to clam up and it's just not going to it's not going to have the same benefit but if from a young age that just becomes part of our society where we just learn how to properly communicate with one another mm-hmm. then like i think that is the real answer opposed to just force feeding a bunch of pills like even people who are suffering from depression there's a way to get around that like they need that that safety net of people who are going to be there to protect them and to hear them out and i think that's much more crucial or much more beneficial than just like hey here's some lithium go take this you'll feel better maybe i don't know right like i think that's that's a problem that we have today and it like the extreme version of what we have today is this question of like you know completely making everyone complacent and apathetic towards everybody it's i think that's i don't know like i feel like therapy and learning how to properly communicate is a much better solution yeah i've i've believed for a long time that like everyone should at least have therapy once or you know have it like easily accessible for people Mm mm-hmm because, like you said, a lot of people, they don't even have anyone to talk to. And it's best if someone has, you know, some kind of issue that's troubling them, you know, just to get it out there. Just to throw what's wrong with them out there to someone mm. who will listen. You know, I think it would benefit everybody. You know, everybody has something going on with their life. It may not be, like, the next world disaster, but... It could be affecting you in some way that is not performing you at your best. And if everyone was just being able to get, you know, free therapy or easy therapy, like it'd be, it'd be best, you know, because then they could work on your problems. Like, I understand like some antidepressants, like some people do have that like imbalance. So it does kind of help balance them. But at the end of the day, you can't just take the pill and be fine. Like it's best to get you know therapy on top of it so at the end of the day at least having therapy is a step in the right direction mm-hmm. yeah i agree now humans i mean the whole reason why this conversation even comes up a lot is because 
us as humans, we're unreliable with how we judge situations, how we handle stressful situations in general, right? Mm -hmm. So what if there's a way to get rid of that idea of human error? Um, and what if there's a way to do that through robotics? Right? So let's say here's here's my next uh, idea for you. Okay, like, and it's it breaks down to something very simple at its core. Should robots be able to kill at will? Okay. Now, there, there's a lot of things, and some people might not know, like, the basic law of robotics, but there's three basic rules, and one of them actually is to never harm a human life. Now, what if we take that out of the equation, and we allow these robots or these AI to actually be able to harm humans if they, it's deemed necessary or deemed needed, right? Um, humans are hot-headed and irrational, and, like, we, we constantly are on edge and think about like throw yourself into the situation of being a cop out in the field, right? You're being called to a case where there was some abuse or some violence. Um, maybe there's a shooter or someone thinks that someone has a gun. And so you go out to the field and you're scanning everything, right? You don't know where the, the culprit is. You're trying to figure out what's going on. And then all of a sudden a guy comes around the corner and he has his hand in his pocket and your instant reaction is, oh, he has a gun, he has a weapon. And then bang, 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 turns out, doesn't have a gun, it was just some dude walking around. Maybe he was even trying to get to safety or something like that, right? Like mm -hmm. you weren't able to make that proper rational decision. Whereas it, for an AI or a robot, they might be able to make that choice. And this idea is starting to come up a lot more because in military, we are using a lot more AI-driven things like drones and stuff like that. Uh, they even have field units that they're starting to kind of build and develop and at least what they've shown us. Uh, <laughs> that means if from what they've shown us, that means that they already have it out in the field, right? That's just kind of how military works. They're not going to like share everything that they have out there. So they're way more advanced than what we really think they are. So there has to be some sort of robotic drones on the field right now who are patrolling. Um, should we give those robots the ability to, or the free will, in a sense, to kill on site? if deemed necessary. What do you think? I think that, you know, if these robots had decent enough kind of like AI or knew what they were doing, it could prevent a lot of, you know, like, uh, I don't want to say accidental murders, but, you know, with, like, cops killing people. Because, you know, you see someone reach in your pocket, they're, you shoot first, right? Mm -hmm. With a robot, because a robot can take a bullet, probably, for the most part, you know, they can try and de-escalate the situation or observe the situation better. Before acting, you because. Know, if you see someone reach in your pocket, you know, a robot's going to be, like, you know, the robot will say, hey put your hands up, you know, don't do that. But it's not like they're going to be waving the gun at the suspect, you know, because if the suspect does pull out a gun, well, then the robot can just pull out his gun and, you know, fire back or fire, like, non-lethally. Mm -hmm. You know, compared to a human where if this person does pull out a gun, I'm probably dead. Right. So, Well, because cops mean, are actually trained to aim for chest. Yeah, like that because it's the biggest target, which means that they're not trained to fire non-lethally. Like they are trained to shoot to kill. Like that is their training. It's hor It's terrifying. Yeah, and it's at least with a robot, you know, it could have instead of a gun, you know, the taser will be the first thing pulled out, right? Like say one arm or something has like a taser on it. And then set phaser to stun. <laughs> if it notices that it gets attacked or something, then it could switch to like live rounds. But instead of always having like a live gun on them, they just have their stun gun. And if the situation escalates, it would just shoot that instead. Well, there's there's actually the, the, this really famous story of a man who got gunned down by like twelve cops or something like that. Um, I don't know if you heard about this, but they thought that he had a grenade. But he fuck? actually didn't. He had a pear in his hand. And <sighs> they ended up gunning him down where, like, in that situation, a robot would probably be able to analyze everything going on, take in all that information, 
and see what was in their hand and realize it's a pair, right? Like that in that situation, yes, 100%, an AI probably would have been able to do a better job. But here's my biggest issue with this and my biggest fear behind it. And it's the same thing with all technology. We mentioned it with the cloning thing as well. There's the idea that these robots are made by humans. So there's that human error mm -hmm. and that human bias that's being put into these uh, patrolling beings who now have the authority to shoot to kill if they deem necessary. So who's the one really deeming it necessary? It's the programmers. And we don't know who these programmers are completely. Like they are government officials or whatnot. They're technicians. They're programmers who have their own biases that they might put into the systems themselves. We see it whenever it comes to the bioengineering of children nowadays, right? Where most of the sample size or actually all of the sample size is of white European descent, right? Like all of the technology and all that programming is being built towards that. And it's a real fear to have when it comes to something like this, too, because who's actually instilling what the robot should be looking out for? Who is like what what information pool are they gathering everything from and what a potential threat is? If they're just taking all of the police reports of the past, majority of those police reports are going to be African-American males doing some sort of aggressive act. Right. So the robots are going to have a natural bias towards attacking African-American males, which is definitely not what the, we should be doing. Like, this is not the point of this, right? Like, a, yeah. it needs to be able to properly assess a threat. And I don't think that's actually possible with something that is AI or human created. I don't think it's possible to take that out whenever the sample size or the information that it could potentially be gathering from or learning from is our own mistakes of the past. So I I I don't I think, think this should happen. <laughs> if they did, I think, you know, instead of leaving it up to one sole person, because like you said, they could have their own bias and make it worse, you know, before they implement, you know, the the characteristics and all that, it, it goes through like a team of I mean, you would hope people there'd be an unbiased team. Of course there's gonna be people biased in a team though. Yeah. Like it, you it's know, not gonna it be possible to vet every single subset group or whatever, right? Like you're not mm -hmm. gonna be able to get an a representative that speaks for everyone of that community. Like it's just not possible. And think about it this way, like the the Twitter bot, right? Remember that? Mm -hmm. And how horrible that experiment went? where it was, you know, created and put out there and it was able to learn from society and it had a, such a wide database to learn from. It had Twitter, it had the whole world to learn from. So technically that had every single race, it had every culture, it had every like affiliation of whatever, right, sexuality, everything built into it. And it still went to becoming like a Hitler supporter and like, right, like, and it, like it's insane to think about that even though we were able to pull from this wide database it still became a racist robot that, yeah it's I, mm. you would think it'd be easy to make an, a non-racist or sexist robot yeah. but Apparently. of course someone's gonna say it's too hard yeah you know it's like ugh, it's not there's going to be some sort of excuse as to like, oh, well, we didn't teach it that it learned it. It's like, well, all right, then why don't we just have regular people out there in the field? Because you're saying the same exact thing, right? Like you didn't teach this person to do that. They learned it through their upbringing. Well, guess what? That AI learned it through its upbringing, right? Like it's the same argument, same issues. Like it's it's a it's a major problem. And I don't think I don't think a robot could be any less hot-headed or irrational as a human could be in a threat environment when it comes to that. At least not now. Maybe in the future, who knows? Because things are evolving at a constant rate, even in technology. So, I don't know. That one's kind of a tough one. Yeah. I As much as I would like for it to be where it's more robotic, so there's you know less room for error instead of having to shoot right away, it, I do feel that to an extent, if someone's biasm got into the robot, then it could be 
even worse mm-hmm. because think about this you're gonna put a robot on trial <laughs> that's not gonna they wrongly killed someone like what you're just gonna shut the robot down okay then there's hundred other robots that were probably programmed by the same person with the same bias. And then it's like, yeah, what, even worse than what we have now. Yeah. What's the answer firmware update? Like, come on. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's not, that's not a solution. That's just, that's just piling on. Yeah. The, or what if someone hacked the robot? Yeah. Or like the, actually oh, the new Chucky movie is exactly this where Chucky is now a malfunction in AI. And what? Yeah, I have not seen this. Yeah, I didn't watch it. My girl was telling me about it because I wanted to, and she's like, "Don't watch this movie," because <laughs> apparently oh. the new one's so bad. Where it's actually a chip, so like he's able to control like drones and shit like that through the Wi-Fi, right? So like the chip malfunctioned, and that's like why he's now like kind of like a murderous death machine or whatever the hell. Oh come on! Right? It's horrible. But hey we just talked about that for the last like 10 minutes, right? Like that is exactly what this could be. It's just, you're putting so much faith in technology when there shouldn't be, we should constantly be questioning things. Like it's just errors happen and they happen a lot. Like, and through my experience with coding and stuff like that, like they happen way more often than you'd like to accept or let people know. Right. Like, I can't tell you how many times like when in school or whatever, when we were making games, when there was like a glitch and you're like, well, I hope they don't press this button. Right. Like <sighs> it's just one of those things where it's like, I, you, I just don't have time or there's a deadline. So you kind of have to just ship the product. And that happens a lot now, like with games, with tech, all that. That's why we have so many firmware updates is because it got shipped with flaws. And now we're trying to react and fix those flaws retroactively. So the initial like it's just always going to be a constant problem whenever especially with like these ai robots policing everything right like it's bad enough on our phones whenever we can't make a phone call when we want think about a robot who now doesn't know what a threat prop really is right or doesn't know how to actually assess them anymore then that's a big problem because now human lives are on the line but it, it what's the answer firmware no that's not an answer at all and where's the sense of like justice when something does go wrong there isn't one. So it's just, there's a lot of problems with it. But yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening in and joining in on our little conversation here. We hope that some of these questions help stimulate you in exciting ways and made you question reality as you think of it nowadays, right? Yeah. 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 Get stimulated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you need to have like the Macho Man Randy Savage, <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. get stimulated. <laughs> the end there. We might workshop that in. All right, you guys. But yeah, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for all the love and support. Don't forget to share the show with a friend if you're enjoying it, because that is the best way for our show to grow. We are still a new show, still, uh, still in our baby infantile days. So help us out. And we would really, really appreciate it. Don't forget to leave a five-star rating review if you are enjoying it. Uh, Apple iTunes is the best place to do that because it has the most uh, view counts as far as that goes. And uh, don't forget to do the same thing for any other podcast out there that you listen to. Uh, It helps out everyone tremendously. So yeah, thank you guys so much for joining in. And we will talk to you next week when we bring you some more uh, crazy questions to think about. All right, y'all. Bye. Bye.